0: We're going to be talking this morning about life hacks. Have you encountered these? You know what life hacks are, right? Sometimes you find them on online somewhere, maybe social media. They are tips or tricks for how to make life go more easily or smoothly. Let me give you some examples. Here's one. Because of Halloween and trick-or-treating, here's one for you. Uh, if you don't have Halloween candy, you just put out an empty bowl and put a sign that says, please help yourself. Right, And all the kids in the neighborhood assume some selfish kid just cleaned you out, right? And it's not your fault that you don't have candy. That's a good life hack. Right? You guys aren't convinced. I feel like that's a good one. Anyway, uh, well then, here's, here's a real good one. How about you use a shoe organizer for all your cleaning supplies? That's a pretty good idea right there, right? Keeps the kids out of it and all that. That's a life hack. That's pretty good. Now, not all life hacks are equal. They're not all good. So here's another one I found online. (laughs) Kid you not, found this on a life hack website, okay? Let me help you understand the beauty of this one. You understand that residential toilet seats are a completed circle. It is public or commercial ones that have that gap. Ew, that, no, no, that, no. Just no, get, in fact, take it off the screen. Uh, let's, all right, so here's one. How about you use a ketchup bottle for pancake batter? Now, make sure you clean the thing out really well first, right? Because that'll, that'll be some nasty tasting pancakes, right? But you put, you put the pancake batter in there, and if you're going camping, perfect. Pre-make it, put it in the cooler, you take, right, and then you make your pancakes. That's, that's a really good idea right there. I'll give you one more. Here's another life hack. I, I, people say this works. I don't know about that, but evidently you can take a walnut and you can rub it on dents and dings in furniture and it will hide those dents and dings. After which you then have a yummy snack, right? Like I feel like that's a double life hack right there. That's good, good stuff. These are life hacks. Now here's a question. What if God gave us life hacks? What if God gave us tips and tricks by which life can go easier, it can go more smoothly? And that is exactly what the book of Proverbs is. You know, we've been going through Luke. We will be going through Luke. We're going to take a little break from Luke for a little bit. We do this every once in a while and stick in a mini-series. So for November and December, we're going to hit pause on Luke. We're going to jump into Proverbs and be looking at these ancient life hacks. And for you to get a big picture view of the book of Proverbs, Pastor Jared came across this great handy little video by The Bible Project. And I think it really helps. It's four minutes, but I think you'll enjoy it. Watch this.
1: There are three books in the Bible that have come to be called the wisdom literature, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job.
2: And all of these books are addressing the same set of questions. What kind of world are we living in, and what does it look like to live well in this world? So, how to be good at life. Yeah. So, each of these books tackles these questions from a unique perspective, and it's important to understand all of them to get a fully biblical perspective on the good life. So, as a thought experiment, you could actually imagine each of these books as a person. So, Proverbs would be like this brilliant young teacher, and Ecclesiastes the sharp, middle-aged critic, and Job would be this weathered old man who's seen a lot in his day.
1: We're going to start by meeting the book of Proverbs, the brilliant young teacher. And she's not just smart, she's smart about everything, work, relationships, sex, spirituality. She has incredible insights things you wouldn't see on your own. Yeah, she would be the
2: perfect friend to have around when you need really specific advice.
1: So what makes her so smart?
2: Well, Proverbs can see things that most people don't see. She believes that there's an invisible creative force in the universe that can guide people in how they should live. And you can't see it, just like you can't see gravity, but it affects everything that we do.
1: So what's this force? Well,
2: in Hebrew, it's called chokhmab. And it usually gets translated into English as wisdom. It's an attribute of God that God used to create the world. And chokmah has been woven into the fabric of things and how they work. So wherever people are making good or just or wise decisions, they're tapping into chokmah.
1: And whenever someone's making a bad decision, they're working against Hokmah.
2: Right, or as it says in Proverbs chapter 1, the waywardness of fools will destroy them. But the one who listens to wisdom lives in
1: security. So it's like a moral law of the universe.
2: Yeah, it's a cause-effect pattern, and no one can escape it. And Proverbs personifies all of this as a woman.
1: Yeah, lady wisdom.
2: Right, and she roams around the earth calling out, making herself available to anyone who's willing to listen to her and to learn. Which leads to the second thing Proverbs believes, that anyone can access and interact with wisdom and use it to make a beautiful life for yourself or for others.
1: You can create with it like a designer.
2: Yes, in fact, chokhmah in Hebrew isn't simply intellectual knowledge. The word is also used to describe a skilled artisan who excels at their craft, like woodworking or stonemasonry. So you show you possess chokhmah
1: when you put it to work and develop the skill of making a good life. Okay, that makes sense. So let's do this. Let's go find some wisdom. But before you do, Proverbs has one
2: more really important thing to consider. Chokmah isn't some impersonal force. It's an attribute of God himself. And so in Hebrew thought, your journey to becoming wise has to begin with what Proverbs calls the fear of the Lord. It's this healthy respect for God's definition of good and evil. And true wisdom means learning those boundary lines and not crossing them.
1: Now, all those ideas you just unpacked are in chapters 1 through 9 in Proverbs. But when I think of the book of Proverbs, I think of the collection of sayings, the Proverbs themselves. Tell me about those.
2: Yeah. Those are what you find in chapters 10 on to the end of the book. It's a collection of hundreds and hundreds of proverbs about any and all aspects of life. And chokhmah gets applied to them, resulting in this wise guidance to help you find a path towards success, and no matter what you do.
1: If I design my life with these sayings, life is going to be good.
2: Yeah, or as Proverbs puts it, it'll give health to your bones, prosperity, a long, rich life. Which is a really big claim. But you can see how it's often the case. Wise people, they tend to do better. Things usually work out well for them in life. And so that is the promise and the wisdom of the book of Proverbs.
0: Isn't that a good and helpful video, just a great summation of the book, sets us up well for this month and the next as we wade through Proverbs. What you heard there is that in Proverbs you see a personification of wisdom as Lady Wisdom. And the goal is to get wisdom, to have wisdom, to apply wisdom. You have to apply it. If you don't apply it, you don't have it, right? It is about applying it to life. And you either do that or... Not. If you don't, then you are foolish. And so Proverbs talks about the wise person versus the foolish person. And for the foolish person, life goes hard. But but what they want, Proverbs wants to give us these ancient life hacks so that life can go better. And so what you have in these 31 chapters are these pithy sayings of wisdom, of life hacks, ancient life hacks. The interesting thing about them, though, is they're all mixed up and scattered throughout. So Proverbs has a lot to say about money. But what I can't do is say, go to Proverbs 20. It's all about money. Next chapter is all about relationships. It's not the way it is. They're all mixed together and jumbled up. And so the way we are going to approach the book of Proverbs is thematically. Meaning we're going to pull all the ones on money out and talk about it on one day. So we'll have these eight themes. Let's look at them right here. So Ancient Life Hacks, the first one today, we're going to be just talking about wisdom in general to set the book up. But then next week, we'll talk about anger. Week three, we'll look at envy. That's jealousy, coveting, those kinds of things. Week four is work ethic, discipline and diligence versus sloth and sluggard. Fun words. We'll talk about them. So uh, Week five, there you have money. We'll talk about that. And then on week six is friendship. Week seven is marriage. Proverbs has a lot to say about beauty and romance and marriage and negative things like adultery and things like that. Uh, and then there's week eight, which is about parenting. The summation is just don't do it. <laughs> no, I made that up. That's not true. That's not in there. That's not in there. Uh, but so we'll end with Parenting. All right, so that's where we're going. You see, we're on week one. We're just going to be talking about wisdom. Let me show you what we'll cover today. I have five questions. What is wisdom? And then we'll talk about why we need it. Where do we get it? How do we get it? And then lastly, who is wise? So our very first question to tackle then is, what is wisdom? Actually, we don't have... Too much work to do here. We've actually covered it a lot. The video covered that a lot already. Wisdom, I'm talking about uh, as these ancient life hacks that make life practically go well. What that means then is wisdom is knowledge applied to life. Okay? So if you just have some sort of abstract knowledge that doesn't apply to life, that's not wisdom. Okay, here's an example What if you understand the orbit of the planets? Well, that's good knowledge to have, but it doesn't help you live day to day, right? So that's abstract knowledge. On the other hand, what if you understand your wife? That's wisdom right there, okay? Now, what if you understand all women? That's called sorcery, okay? <laughs> like, you're a devil worshiper, we're burning you at the stake. That's, that ain't right, okay? So, but you get the idea. It's knowledge applied to life. It has to be practical and applicable. Now, Another thing about wisdom is it often shows up in principles, not in rules. So we're very used to interacting in terms of biblical commands. Those are rules. And a lot of religion kind of degenerates into moralism. Moralism is all about rules. The problem with moralism is you can never make enough rules. There's always going to be funky, unique situations and individualistic stuff, and you don't have a rule that tells you what to do. Wisdom is knowing the right thing when there isn't a rule. So let me help you catch the breadth of what I'm talking about here. Here's a bunch of examples. First, what movies should you watch? Listen, you know there's no rule in the scripture. I can't give you a verse that you turn to that says, thou shall not watch The Notebook, thou shall watch Tommy Boy but that's wise, okay? Like, that's, that's wise, okay? But there's not a rule telling you which movies to watch and what not to. Well, okay, who should you date? Uh, or, and, and I'm not saying, like, characteristics. There's some stuff in the scripture, but, like, which person? Oh, wisdom's in play. Uh, which university should you attend? Which major? Who should you marry? How to deal with in-laws? Give us wisdom, God, right? How do you budget? Do you buy a new car? Do you finance it? Do you lease it? Do you lend money to that relative again, right? Or do you take that promotion or the job offer at another company? No verse on that one. You've got a decision to make. How do you discipline your children? Do you homeschool, private school, or public school? Again, no verse. You have decisions to make as parents in that way. See, you are always making choices, and there aren't always clear biblical rules, so wisdom is doing the right thing according to biblical principles when there are not clear biblical rules. That is wisdom. And it goes something like this. There is no biblical rule that says you can't put up Christmas decorations before Thanksgiving. But it's very unwise. So stop it. Stop it. I love you anyway. Don't worry. All right. So, wisdom is not abstract knowledge, and it's not always specific rules. It's often abstract, they're they're principles of living well. Those are ancient life hacks for life to go well. That's what wisdom is. Now, let's talk about why do we need it. Why do we need wisdom? so just this week I have a news service that I uh, tend to go to more often than not and on just one day these were uh, four headlines I'm going to share with you four headlines from the news that in one day I saw on a nationally very well recognized news service here is a shot at humanity woman finds her supposedly dead ex-boyfriend working at a local restaurant let me give you the backstory. This dude was in debt to a lot of people, including his girlfriend. He recruits his mom to help him fake his death. And, and then uh, years later, she runs into him as he's working at his family restaurant. Dude, like if you're trying to fake don't work at the family restaurant. That's just not smart. Not the, the sharpest knife in the drawer right there. Here's one. Indiana woman found dead with python wrapped around her neck. 140 snakes in reptile home. Police say. Yeah, not wise. Not wise. And she proved it, right? That's just not good, okay? How about this one? New Jersey woman Sue's country club waiter accuses him of pouring red wine over $30,000 Hermes purse. I don't even know if I pronounce that right. I don't care. If you have a purse that costs you $30,000, you ain't smart. That's not wise. I don't care how much money you have. Not wise. How about this one? This is my favorite. New York train rider reports suspicious packages turn out to be machines used to report (laughs) suspicious packages. Oh, fantastic. Why do we need wisdom? And here's why. Big picture. Proverbs presents the options of the wise person and the fool. And it seems to me that as humanity, our default mode is stuck on foolish. Right? We're just kind of stuck there. And so we need to receive wisdom to live well. If not, we're foolish. Life goes hard. It hurts us. Bad. But if so, we apply these life hacks. Life goes well. Now, to help you feel the contrast between those, I'm going to give you two passages from Proverbs, door number one and door number two, and you choose which one you would like for your life. Proverbs chapter one, verses 20 to 26. Say this: Wisdom cries aloud in the street. How long, O simple ones? Will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you because I have called you and you refuse to listen. Have stretched out my hand and no one has heeded because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. Well, that sounds harsh. Uh, but at the same time, realize what, what, what she is saying there is that if you don't heed my wisdom, it's going to go poorly, and you will prove wisdom by your calamity. You prove it one way or the other. Okay, but that's option number one. There's your passage. All right, here's another option. Let's turn to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 13 to 18. Blessed is the one who finds Wisdom. And the one who gets understanding, for the gain from her is better than gain from silver and her profits better than gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand, in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace." She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. Which door do you want? Door number one or door number two? I mean, obviously, that's what we want, right? And so Proverbs, we need it because these are ancient life hacks, and we want our life to go like that. We need to learn wisdom for our life to go well. That's why we need it. Well, since we need it, then the question becomes, where do we get it? Where do we get wisdom? And you, you got a hint of this in the video already. It's cited Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, where it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And then you see in Proverbs 2, 6, where it says, For the Lord gives wisdom from His mouth come knowledge and understanding. Now, here's the thing. So the Lord is the source of wisdom. But that doesn't mean that non-Christians can't be wise, okay? We I mean, understand, anyone can access wisdom. Uh, let me explain it this way. If you go to steam wallpaper off of a wall, start at the bottom, not at the top. And the reason why is when you're steaming at the bottom, it's going to be hard at first, but all while you're doing that, the steam's going up the wall and loosening it up. So by the time you get to the top, you're just peeling sheets off pretty easy, Okay? Here's my point. You don't have to be a Christian to get that. You don't have to be a Christian to apply that. Okay, Non-Christians can understand wisdom. So there are wisdom and life hacks that have to do with relationships and money and work ethic and, re- and family like kids and marriage. Non-Christians can figure those out and apply them. So in what sense is this from the Lord? Well, remember this. This is Lady Wisdom. And one of the things we learn in Proverbs about Lady Wisdom is that she was at the very beginning before creation. She was with the Lord. Remember, it's an attribute of God himself. And it is this attribute that he used to do this world, to do creation. I'm going to show you a longer passage. It's out of Proverbs chapter 8, but it's beautiful poetry about wisdom and creation. Look at this. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. Ages ago I was set up at the first, before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. Before he had made the earth with its fields or the first of the dust of the world. When he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit so that the waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him. Like a master workman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world, and delighting in the children of man. The idea is that wisdom is what God used to make this creation. Wisdom is woven into the very warp and woof of creation. You can't get away from it. And so when a non-Christian taps into any form of wisdom, even if he or she denies God, what they don't understand in that moment, they are tapping into the wisdom of God himself. It belongs to him. And it only works for them because of common grace that God is kind enough to allow everyone, believer and non-believer, to tap into his wisdom. So yes, wisdom is living in harmony with the author of wisdom, God himself. And and, and while non-Christians can do that, at the same time, there is a sense in which the fear of the Lord, now the fear of the Lord means to revere him, be in awe of him, respect him. What he says is good is good, what he says is bad is bad. I fear being out of step with him. I fear being apart from him. I love him so much. Look, when you lean that way, when you walk with God, submit to him. Wisdom tends to flow a little bit more. Absolutely. And one of the reasons that is, is because it affects our character when we walk with Jesus. Which really sets up the next question. The next question I had for you guys is how do we get wisdom? How do we get wisdom? I think there are two ingredients in the right here. The first is you have to desperately want it. Now, not everybody wants wisdom. Some don't, but most of us, we want life to go well. We want life to be pleasing. We want life hacks. We want it to go well, okay? So you have to desperately, desperately want it. We all usually check that one off pretty cool. The problem, of course, you see, is the second one. The second one is where I think we fee- fail. You have to admit that you don't have wisdom, The key to getting wisdom is to admit that you don't have wisdom. That's the key. It's humility, teachability, a desire for instruction and correction and feedback into my life. And I say, bring it, I need it, please. It's a seeking of wise counsel. That is the key. In fact, this is shown throughout the book of Proverbs and in Proverbs fashion there's not just one chapter it's sprinkled here and there throughout let me just show you four verses 11.2 says when pride comes then comes disgrace but with the humble is wisdom 12.15 the way of a fool is right in his own eyes but a wise man listens to advice 13.1 says, a wise son hears his father's instruction, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. 19.20 says, listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. See, if you think you have wisdom, you don't. But if you know that you lack wisdom and you need help and input into your life, then you are on the path to gaining wisdom. This is the problem with teenagers. Right? Now, teens, stick with me. I got your back. I'll come back. Don't don't worry. I, I got you. But listen, a teenager, that is the time of life when you know precious little, but you assume you know everything. Right? And so you're unteachable, you can't receive instruction and input, and you fight it all the time. Now, teens, I said I have your back. Listen. I do not have a problem with a teenager being a teenager. See where this is going? The problem is when the teenager is in his 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s. That's the problem. When you're a teenager for life. See, we think that age equals wisdom. Can I just tell you, it don't. Get rid of that myth. Age does not equal wisdom. If you do not believe me, just go to a casino. It's all over, folks. And the house wins, right? And they just keep doing it. Age does not equal wisdom. On the other hand, uh, somebody youthful, young, can display wisdom. I'll give you an example from our family life. Uh, my kids are 20 and about to be 18. Lord have mercy. Uh, and, but when they were a lot younger, Shannon and I were out in the kitchen and we were discussing... Well, she was talking about a blog post. She was thinking about writing. We were talking about it. The kids could overhear us. They were out in the family room and we could hear them. So we heard Caleb say, Mom's a better writer than Dad. It's okay. It's going to be okay. Madison said, You really think so? To which Caleb replied kid you not. He replied, always say the woman is better. There's less screaming that way. (laughs) Out of the mouths of babes, right? I mean, you can have wisdom even when you're a little kid, right? Wow, are you kidding me? Listen, if you make the same mistake over and over and over, and you're in your 70s, then you're 70 and you're foolish. And the person who's 30 and making the same mistake over and over and over might be wiser than the 70-year-old because at least there's hope for that dude that'll figure it out before his 70s. Right? Age does not equal wisdom. I have met some very, very wise old people and some very foolish ones. I've met some very wise teenagers and some very foolish ones. And I'll tell you what, I'm 49. I'm somewhere in between. And uh, I, um, I'm in between. Shut up. <laughs> uh, and and uh, at 49, I've been in ministry 30 years. I'm a pastor. And I'll tell you this. I have far more to learn than I have to teach. And I have a lot of growing to do in wisdom myself. Here's my goal. Ten years from now, will I be ten years more wise? The only thing you're guaranteed of, a decade from now, you'll be 10 years older. That's all you're guaranteed. The question is, and you ask yourself, 10 years from now, will you be 10 years more wise? If that is to be the case, then you need to treat life as a classroom and every day as a lesson. Never stop learning. Never stop growing, which means you need to receive instruction and correction. You need to be humble. You need to be teachable. That's how you become wise. Wise. And that reminded me of the teaching of Dr. Henry Cloud. You know him? Cloud is the boundaries guy, all right? And uh, he is a psychologist, counselor, I don't know. That's his field. Uh, He's done a lot of research. He's done a lot of clinical experience. He is also a believer. He's done a lot of study in the scriptures, uh, particularly in Proverbs. He does this teaching where he talks about how Proverbs presents three kinds of people. The wise person, the fool, and the evil. Wise, foolish, evil. We won't talk about evil today. So really, wise and foolish. And and he says, you can tell the difference between the wise person and the foolish person based on how they receive correction. How they receive input and feedback. The wise person, when they hear truth, she adjusts her life. She's joyful, she's gracious, thankful for the input but the foolish person when he hears truth he adjusts the truth feel that okay so this person is allergic to feedback this is the person that defends deflects excuses justifies attacks the messenger right those people that have the meeting after the meeting right and, and, and like that's a lot of times what's going on there it's foolishness What's happening is you shine the light into the foolish person's life so that the person can see what's wrong and fix it, but they don't like it, so what they do is they adjust the light instead of adjusting their life. That's the difference between a wise person and a foolish person. It has all to do with humility and teachability that leads to wisdom. Now, the reality is that both the wise and the fool will prove wisdom. They won't both possess wisdom Life won't go well for both of them, but they'll both prove it. The wise person will prove it the easy way. The foolish person will prove it eventually the hard way. I remember going through this with my teenagers. Like, you want to argue? Want to disagree? It's okay. You'll agree with me. Give it time. In time, you'll agree that what I'm saying is wise. I don't have to fight for it right now. I'm just hoping that they learn it the easy way, not the hard way. And that's what Proverbs is talking about at times. Like, look at Proverbs 14, verse 33. Wisdom rests in the heart of a man of understanding, but it makes itself known even in the midst of fools. So, there are Proverbs about working hard. And if you take that and go the easy way, you apply it and your career blossoms and you're able to provide and it's good, right? Or, or you can ignore that And you will not advance in your career. Maybe you lose your job. It won't go well. You will be proving wisdom to be wise the hard way, the hard way. So one of the hard things that I've seen in ministry over the years, uh, and you'll see the same thing in parenting too, is that you advise someone, you hope, you plead, you beg, but then you have to step back and realize they make their own choices. They will make their own bed, and they will have to sleep in it. They will discover wisdom one way or the other. It might be the easy way. It might be the hard way. You're hoping it's easy. That's what Proverbs is doing. Lady Wisdom is begging us, will you please learn the easy way? Will you listen to me? You'll learn it one way or the other. You'll realize I'm right please do it the easy way. Be humble. Be teachable. Be wise. Let other people pay the dumb tax. You know the dumb tax? Let them pay it. And you learn from then. Life is a classroom. Every day is a lesson. And so we want to fear God. And we want to study His scriptures, particularly Proverbs in this case. We want to get wise counsel so that we can learn the easy way and understand these life hacks. Don't. Be a teenager for life. Now, if you are a teenager for life, if you're one of those people, can I give you a life hack? Shut up. I I don't mean to be harsh. I'm giving you a life hack out of Proverbs right now. Look at chapter 17, verse 28. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. Okay, so so like if you're a fool, if you just shut up, people will mistake your silence as wisdom until you open your mouth and then we'll all know the truth about you, right? So just be quiet. You'll be good. You'll be good. That's a good life hack right there. Now, if uh, it's all about these life hacks. And if you think you know it all, you don't you're a fool. The way you possess wisdom is to know you don't have it and you need instruction. That's how. Now, one last question uh, I left on the table is this. Who is wise? And the answer is, not you. And not me. Not us. See, wisdom is living in harmony with the author of wisdom. It's being just like Jesus Christ and we aren't. We're very foolish people. We're very foolish people. And so what you need are not only life hacks. You know what you need? You need a Savior, just like I do. And, and I've got some great news for you about who is wise. Let's look at one passage out of the New Testament before we finish. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 23 through 24. In the very first phrase, it says, But we preach Christ crucified. Okay, Check this. So, so we preach Christ crucified. And the reason why is because on that cross, he paid our dumb tax. All the stupid, foolish things we did, somebody had to cover that debt. Jesus did it on the cross. Praise God for that. But look what it says. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greek, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. God, okay? Jesus Christ is not only wise. Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God. That's a big deal. Who is wise? Jesus is. He's the wisdom of God. And you not only need Jesus as your Savior to pay your dumb tax, but then what we need to do is we need to lean into him and learn from him with great humility and teachability so that he can shape our life and we can be wise. I have two things I want you to do. One, this week I want you to get some time alone with the Lord and pray and get yourself to a posture of humility and teachability where you say, God, I desperately need you to speak into my life. I don't want to be foolish. Like, call out to God on that. Secondly, I want to encourage you during November and December uh, toward a spiritual discipline. There are 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. Some people read them all year long. What they do, usually 31 days in a month, right? And so they'll read chapter one on day one of the month, chapter two on day two, and so on. Some months are shorter. You read two chapters at the last day, whatever. February, I know it's tough. So, uh, And then what you do is you just repeat that all month long. I'm going to ask you to do it for two months. Today is the third. You have three chapters to read. Get her done right? Tomorrow is the 4th. You read chapter 4. On the 5th, chapter 5. And so on, you'll have two chapters at the end of the month. Then in December, repeat it for all 31 days. Here's why. We're going to be going through the book together. I would love it if we as a family are steeping and soaking in Proverbs together during these months. Those are things I'd like you to consider. For now, let me pray. Father, we come before you right now humble and honest that we have been very foolish and hard-hearted and not humble, not teachable. Thank you for our Savior who covers our foolishness with his blood. And now, Lord, we want to learn. Would you teach us? Would you whisper into our lives? Would you teach us these ancient life hacks that we could learn from you and be more like you, that we could live well? Please, Lord, teach us. And we pray in Christ's name. Amen.